Hello, friends, and welcome to episode number 230 of Bad Flips and Maple Dips. It's Patrick here in Halifax. He's Justin in Saskatoon. Justin, the World Baseball Classic continues to ramp up. Spring training is here. There's baseballs flying all over the place. Some of them are going into orbit. Some of them are ground balls. It's just, it's great to see. I love that baseball is, is coming back. Yes, sir. Or is baseball here? What do you count this as? Mm, As Aquino would say, we here. (laughs) Yeah. All right. I'll take that. So (laughs) I, I, I wasn't sure if we were going to talk about the world baseball classic today. I I think I told you no as early as like five minutes ago. Yeah. Are you now changing your answer? Yeah, (laughs) I'm going to. Oh I'm going to screw you over here, and I'm going to tell you that I do kind of want to talk about it. I don't. Well, too bad, because <laughs> I'm going to talk about it. All right, go ahead. Uh, the World Baseball Classic has started, and it's kind of interesting. They're played all over the planet. Most of the games are at inaccessible times <laughs> for everyone else uh, outside of wherever they are playing the games. Um, How dare they forsake the North American sports market? Well, I mean, who else is this for if not for North America, about, the largest baseball market? The countries where they're also being played and then also have baseball teams in the World Baseball Classic? Question mark. No. They don't play when the World Juniors are overseas. They play them at local times over there, and we have to suffer through it. That's true. Just saying. I don't know. I Just think saying. the World Baseball Classic probably has less viewership than the... Yeah, because the whole entire country of Canada watches the World Juniors. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> um, but just to sort of very, very briefly go through what has already happened. Uh, I believe all the games are done for today. Yeah. Um, it's kind of interesting so far. Uh, the European teams are winning. And the teams we thought would be competing for a spot uh, are not. The Netherlands are 2-0. and Italy is 1-0. and Panama is 1-1. and And Chinese Taipei is 0-1. Obviously, the math doesn't quite check out. That's because Italy has only played one game, so it's Chinese Taipei. Uh, Cuba is 0-2. That's surprising that is surprising Um, yeah i thought they would be better (laughs) they lost to the dutch four to two on opening day and then today they lost italy those are those are huge losses for cuba uh i don't know if they'll be able to recover from that because you it's only the top two isn't it i think they i don't know if it's actually the dutch or is it the dutch colonies (laughs) that are (laughs) how many players were actually born like oh, it's probably you know? the Dutch colonies. Yeah, because Xander Bogarts uh, is on that team. I know that. For yeah, fact, so. yeah, that's true. They got uh, some star power. I mean, that's in just, Pool A better. and Pool B. Japan and Australia have both won games. Australia with the upset over South Korea today, eight to seven. Japan pounded China eight to one. Of showtime. course, it is sh- indeed showtime. There were forty-one thousand people at the Tokyo Dome. Uh, the, yesterday evening or this evening, I'm not sure, because they was, yeah, they're technically the time zones. Yeah, time zones. It's all weird. it's all screwy. It's but, all relative. Um, time's an illusion. I'll tell you this. This is what's interesting to me. Uh, looking at these game times, every game has been over three hours, and 
all but two games have been over three hours and 40 minutes. Oh my god, that sounds awful. That sounds awful. Bring out the pitch clock. Let's go. Yeah, they gotta get a pitch clock in on this. So, Canada does not play its first game until March the 12th, which is... Sunday. uh, Is it Sunday? Yep, because tomorrow's the 10th and it's Friday, so... Right, yeah, so we'll be back with another episode. Uh... (laughs) Pretty much as soon as that game is over, so maybe we'll do a little recap. Anyway, it's just kind of interesting to see the European teams. We expected to do jack shit are winning. Uh, good for them, and uh, good for us if you like baseball because it gives us more to talk about here at BFMD Podcast on Twitter. BFMDpodcast.com is a website. Google us. You'll find the podcast wherever you can find podcasts. Uh, Justin, go ahead. Let's, uh, let's get you to grip the wheel there. And, uh, you know, much like the famous F1 team, uh, Ferrari, why don't you, uh, grab the wheel and, and, and take us out on the road and talk about some of the news. Okay. Well, if I'm Ferrari, I'm going to randomly leave about two thirds of the way through the episode and just not come back. I'm going to DNF. My computer's going to blow up. Your so. computer will literally just crash and turn <laughs> I'll off. have a fire in my in my hard drive, yeah. Um, yeah, or or somehow someone will advise you to do something really stupid. Yeah, they'll put me on hards when I should be on softs. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's our F1 section for the day. Uh, moving into the news, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. update. Obviously, we know he's dealing with right knee inflammation after he had to leave a game there last week. He did hit in the batting cages today. He took ground balls that were hit directly at him, so no really lateral movement, and did some straight line running. According to John Schneider, he's feeling pretty good, a step in the right direction today. Uh, Next steps in Grau's progression will include lateral movement in the field and on the bases, running with more intensity, and then facing live pitching. Jays will reevaluate his readiness to return to games as he goes. Should have a clearer picture early next week, but wouldn't rule out, uh, obviously, a return to the lineup and to return to the grapefruit league action by next weekend let's say about a week from today for example would be a pretty good estimate yeah 10 days is about what we thought i think we said yeah. that last week mm-hmm. i think maybe uh yeah it's fine there's still plenty of time there's oh, actually yeah. like 20 something left, days yeah. until a regular season yeah game, 25 so. days I think today he actually has like three more weeks to rehab yeah. this if you wanted uh but no He'll be ready for opening day. Yeah, he'll be fine. Um, Speaking of Vlad, another quote from John Schneider. He says that uh, he's been joking about it already in camp. He said, I'm doing it this year. That's regarding Vladdy playing or uh, competing in the home run derby. So it sounds like Vlad wants to get back and try and uh, take the crown that was almost his a few years ago. And him and Pete Alonso had that great battle. So that'd be fun as long as he's healthy. What year was that? That was 2021. 2019. Was it his first season in the big leagues? When oh, he had just come remember. up, I think. I think it was 2019 because I don't think they did an all-star game in 2020 during COVID, did they? No, you're right. You're right. You're so right. So it would have right. been 2019. It was like his, it was kind of Vladdy's like coming out party was that home run derby. Yeah. I honestly like it. It's, it's whatever. I'm not going to watch home run derby injured. no matter who's in it. So yeah. I, I think, I think 2019 was the last time I watched it. It's just it just goes yeah. on for too long. I can't I can't watch. I I love watching dudes hit dingers, but like, I love that they now have time limits. Yeah, that's the thing. I think that I, makes it so. Well, much is better. there a time limit now? Oh, okay, good. Yes. 
God, maybe I'll actually will watch it again. So instead of just having guys hit like fifty fucking bombs and then like twenty. Well, minutes before drink. it was like you got you have ten outs 10 or outs, something like right. that, but now it's like, nah, man, okay, you got yeah. five minutes. You can you know you can, you can take a hundred pitches if minutes. you want. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, no, I I think maybe I'd actually watch it. I wasn't even maybe aware I'm wrong. It changed. If if that is the, if that isn't the rule, it should be. They're timing everything else. I don't know. Maybe I just fixed it. <laughs> if we have pitch derby. clocks, we should have. Yeah, maybe uh, BFMD saves the home run derby as our next episode title. <laughs> Can we talk about something really interesting that I alluded to earlier? And that's the times yes. of games. Times are time is fun. It's I like data. Yeah, I'm really interested. You've got something uh, here for yes. us from Jeff Passan Wef that mentions time. I'm very interested in this. Yes. So Jeff Passan, the resident savage of baseball Twitter um, and trade breaker, deal breaker himself, has put out some stats regarding spring training 2022 versus this season. So time of games last spring, Patrick Marsh averaged at three hours, one minute. This year, that's down 25 minutes so far. At games, we're averaging two hours, 36 minutes. The Blue Jays game today was actually two hours and two minutes, one of the split squad games. Hell yeah. That was the, uh, I believe, the Kevin Gosman outing. Um, the runs per game this year, last year it was 10.6. This year it's 11, so not yeah. a huge difference About there. The same. About the same. Baseball's baseball. One thing that is up quite a lot, stolen bases per game, or attempts of stolen bases. Last year was 1.6. We're up to 2.4 this year. So nearly a, an entirely whole stolen base attempt per game higher. And BABIP on ground balls. Of course, we don't have the shift anymore. Extreme shift anyway. We've seen some teams group all three of their outfielders on the, on the uh, one side of the diamond because that was a way to get around the rule. But uh, stolen bases, or sorry, not stolen bases, BABIP is up. Last year on ground balls in spring training, it was 235. This year, it's 258, so a 23-point increase. Uh, strikeout rates, Patrick, are about the same. 23.9 last year, 23.1 this year. That's not really statistically significant. But so far, more singles, more stolen bases, and the half a run more per game. So that's all being done in 25 minutes less time on average. We love that. Yeah, just in case you were still upset about some of the trades that the Toronto Blue Jays have made in the offseason where we had to say goodbye to some of our power-hitting, slow-running guys. Look, I still love them all. Huge parts of this team the last few years. But we got faster. We have, you know, more less of an emphasis on the long ball. Yep. And uh, the guys that we have here can steal bases. So. Yeah. Uh, just ran some math yeah. on this, by the way. If this if this carries over to the regular season, at 25 minutes less per game over 162 games, you'll have about an extra 67 and a half hours of time that you won't spend watching baseball this summer. It's like almost three full days. I don't know if that's sad or if that's great. It's great. Imagine saving half an hour a day to do something else. Like you could go for a walk and then half an hour. You could read a book for 30 minutes. Cry in the shower. You could cry in the shower for 30 minutes. Yeah. You could call your mom. Um, You could play with your cat. I don't know. Do you play with your cat? Oh yeah, all the time. Yeah, sure. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what people with cats do. I think they just lay around all the time. So anyway, no. but you yeah, could do, a good you could cat do really owner plays stuff. with their cats. Ah, a good yeah. cat owner will play with. You got to keep them uh, active, right? Yeah, no, that's what keeps them from getting fat. Yeah, Chalksters. fat and portion control. 
<laughs> yeah, that too. But uh, this is great. I mean, we were looking to see if the pitch clock would make a difference. And I think the numbers themselves do not lie. We're now like three weeks into spring training. So this data is uh, substantial. We'll see how it goes as we get into the regular season. I wish they would put limits on pregame ceremonies as well, too, for time limits, because sometimes they go those go on for too long, in my humble I'm opinion. I'm indifferent but. to that, to be honest with you. I mean, some I, I think most of them are, are, are fine. Yeah. I mean, like it's I especially if you're retiring a player's number or in the case of like the level of excellence, like let it ride. It's their day. Just let it let it it's fine. They should start for Yankee Red Sox games. Uh, they should actually decrease the pitch clock by two seconds further to try and speed those up to get them under well, four hours. Have so. they played each other in the spring yet? Mm, no, I don't. I don't know. I don't follow that. The really who's playing who. So no, no, that's fair. I I mean, I'll be interested to see what the the good news are. is they're going to play each other uh, five less times this year because of the schedule. Yeah, I'm just curious so. though as to whether or not it will make a significant impact. <laughs> God, because... I hope so because those games are ridiculous. Yeah, they. I don't suck know what anyway. it is about those two teams where they just suck the life out of pace of play. Um. Anyway, to win. moving on. Are we as we've been going through our preview series? We've done the rotation in the bullpen so far. So now it's time to do the hitters, Patrick, and the fielders. Um, we're breaking this up into two groups because we're not going to do 12 or 13. And there's going to be more than 13 because we're going to talk about that 13th bench spot at the last bench yeah. We'll talk about that yeah. next week. This week we're going to stick to guys who are going to exclusively play either catcher or infield um this year next week we'll do outfielders plus utility guys so we will talk about santiago espinal today but we will not be talking about whit merrifield and kevin biggio even though those two will both play second base they will also definitely see outfield time whereas espinal will not so if, if they play on the infield we're talking about them today and i think it makes sense we've already been talking about vladdy should we just start right there yeah all right well looking Looking at Vladdy's year, Patrick, obviously we know 2021 was... He would have been the MVP if not for Shohei Otani. Uh, he finished second in MVP voting, 6.3 F4 that year. 48 home runs, which was tied with Otani. Drove in 111, hit 311, had an OPS of 1,002. Um, strikeout rate was 15.8. Walk rate was 12.3. Just a phenomenal year. He played in 161 games. This season was a was still a great year for Vlad. He hit he played in 160 games this year, hit 32 homers, drove in 97, he hit 274, and the OPS was actually just over I guess 900 this year, so a little bit of a drop there. But the big difference was in the swing discipline and the walk rate. His strikeouts only jumped up 0.6 at 16.4, which is still a very good number. He doesn't strike out a ton. But the walks fell from 12.3% to 8.2, which was a big difference in the OBP falling nearly 80 points. Also, of course, batting average was down, but also that's going to happen when you're swinging more and taking less pitches. The metrics for exit velocity and everything else still near the top of the league. Barrel rate way up there. Max, max exit velocity, 99th percentile. Average, 96. So, I mean, this guy hits a ton. Still hit balls all over the field. Goes the other way with power. They wanted the true 
uh, guys in baseball who can hit the ball anywhere on the baseball diamond. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know about you, Patrick. But what what do you expect from Vlad this year? Are we gonna are we gonna see like a carbon copy of twenty twenty one's year? Or are we gonna see somewhere in between the last two seasons? I think it'll be somewhere in between. I mean, I don't know that anybody could really repeat that twenty twenty one season. Yeah, that was a magnificent year. Yeah. Um, that being said, uh, Vladdy has a pretty significantly high floor and mm. an even higher ceiling when it comes to his performance. Yeah. I it's weird to say uh, because he still was a three F war player last year, but it was a disappointment. The power came down significantly. Uh, it's because pitchers stopped pitching to him uh, yeah. a huge chunk of his uh, both his walks and his strikeouts all in that outside corner. And we saw it early and often at the beginning of the season. He was getting rung up a lot on the outside of the plate and mm-hmm. I, I, it's not, I don't know that it's necessarily, uh, Homer bias, whatever you want to call it. When I look at the screen and I see a ball outside of the strike zone and, and him getting rung up for it, I don't know. Is that bias? I don't think so. Um, he was a victim of that. So was Matt Chapman. It was just brutal. Yeah. It was brutal. So do you think that last year is like his floor essentially? No, but uh, I think we can... I'm not trying to make excuses for Vladdy, but that early in the season to get rung up that many times on outside pitches that are borderline probably fucked with his head a little bit, and that's why he did chase a little bit more outside the zone. Uh, That wouldn't explain, you know, uh, a near 25% drop in home run total. That's concerning. Um, but he also stole more bases and I think we saw craftier base running from him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and again, the walk percentage, it's a pretty, pretty big dip from 12.3 to 8.2. But again, he was getting rung up like crazy and he, most people don't remember this, but in his last 100 PAs, he was below average. He, he was ice cold. Uh, the only reason that we made it into the playoffs was because of Bo Bichette and the pitching. Uh, Vladdy really, I think he either he ran out of gas or he, he just hit a brutal cold spell the last 20, 30 games of the season. It was rough. I yeah, remember no. it very well. I'm, I'm with you there. I think uh, I think the fact that, I mean, he think he spent a lot of time improving his kind of baseball IQ last year, which led to Absolutely, the smarter, yeah. smarter base running and obviously won a gold glove, so... Um, there are a lot of aspects of Vladdy's game that improved, even if the offensive numbers did dip a little bit. And I mean, still an outstanding year. There's not many guys in baseball who hit for a 900 OPS over a full season. I think we became relatively spoiled after that 2021 season, but uh, only had 13 less hits over the full season last year. Um, so, I mean, it wasn't a huge difference in like the times he reached base safely. So, just the difference in how he did it versus those less there home was, runs. The last there were year. a lot of conversations anecdotally as well about, about the nature of the baseball itself, the physical ball. True. Yeah. Uh, throughout the season. Definitely and in, the, in the start of the year, it was really 
Dead. By the end of the year, it's it did seem to change throughout baseball, which again, like, stop fucking changing the ball in the middle of the season. Classic Manfred. What, the, what is fucking stupid? Anyway, but I mean, like I said, the last like 20, 30 games of the season, Vladdy didn't look that great. So that's that could also help explain why the numbers don't look great. Uh, I mean, they're they're very good. Like he's a very good hitting first baseman. Um, and you're probably right. We are a bit spoiled. Uh, I'm sure Vladdy is aware that he is capable of more yeah. than what he did last he year. He talked and I'm about sure he... it in yeah. a conversation. I believe it was with Hazel even uh, that he knows that he was pressing too much last year, trying to do yes. everything right. So yes, I think a patient Vlad uh, will hopefully hopefully this the setback with the knee inflammation doesn't kind of take him out of his mindset of being more patient. He doesn't feel like he has to get ramped up faster. Uh, hopefully he keeps uh, you know as they say trust the process. So. Honestly, do we care that much uh, when it comes to like, because he hit a lot of opposite field singles. What's what's really the difference between an opposite field single and a and a walk as far as on base? It really doesn't mm-hmm. make doesn't, a difference. They, they both count the same in that regard. So I'm okay with him being more patient uh, and more selective, um, but I also hope that he doesn't get screwed over when it comes to. Um, you know, the outside calls. Cause I do think that really, that would fuck with anybody. Yeah. If you're getting rung up repeatedly, like over and over and over again at the start of the year. And you're like, come on. Like Vladdy has good plate vision. He's one of the best already in baseball with that. And to see him get rung up that many times at the beginning of the year, I think that'd mess with anybody. Agreed. Yeah. Well, let's hop over to Boba now. And yes. I mean, if not for a torrid September from Bobachet, this would be a completely different conversation. But I mean, <laughs> if you look at it, the numbers between the, the past two seasons aren't entirely all that different anymore. So 2021, Bo put up 5.1 F4. So between Bo and Flatty, they had almost 14 F4 that previous season, which is crazy for two players. Um, unbelievable. Or sorry, sorry, it would have been 12 F4 between the two of them. But, uh, yeah, the big difference is here. I mean, batting average only dropped by eight points overall. OBP was down by 10 points. Slug was down by 25 points. And that's due to the fact that Bo hit five less home runs. He got hot late in the season, obviously. Strikeout rate was up a little bit, 22.2% versus 19.9. Walk rate was really unchanged, 5.8 versus 5.9. Um and he had two less hits, 191 in 2021 versus 189 this year. Uh, scored less runs due to the fact that, I mean, he obviously in the start of the season, Patrick, he wasn't getting on base as much. And yep. they ended up moving him down to the cleanup hole uh, later on in the year when he got hot. So he was more in a run-producing scenario there. He ended up finishing with 93 RBIs. And I think he had, like, what was it, like 30 or some in the last month. Like, he was absolutely on a tear. Yes. Uh, yeah, unbelievable finish to the year for Bo. And I'm looking at the numbers right now. August, September, he drove in 27 of those runs. September, October, 27 runs. So, I mean, he really pulled it up in the past, in the last two months. He had seven home runs and 11 doubles to finish the season in August, or September and power. October. So, the power came back. He started swinging at good pitches. <laughs> it was it's a miracle what happens when you do that, right? Um, yeah, I think he yeah. also was probably in his head a little bit. I would oh, like 100%. to talk about 
something that we have already discussed during the offseason with Bo, and that was the the running, the base running, yep. uh, the stealing. Uh, I think a big part of his game is the fact that he is a dual threat when it comes to stealing bases and hitting home runs. And he has power. He has opposite field yeah. power. Bo is one of the best pure hitters in this lineup. Agreed. Maybe the best pure hitter. He can do it all. And he's fast. He's yeah. The thing I love most about him is looking at his spray chart, right? I mean, you look at the guy who is going right. to feast on the new right center field porch in Rogers Center where that bullpen, visitor's bullpen is going to be. He's going to be sending a lot of balls into there this year, I think. Yeah, I think, I think that we will see a year very similar to last year. But I would say the defense will, or not last year, but 2021. Uh, and I think the defense will be better than it was in 2021 and 2022. And I also think we will see him steal more bases. Like we said before in previous episodes, the larger bases mean a shorter base path. They're also much more favorable when it comes to uh, stealing bases, although it does also favor bang-bang plays. We talked about that too. Um, but when, it talk, when we talk about pure base stealing, this is uh, all of it bodes well for Bo. And I, I, I do think that he is a threat to be a 30-30 guy, so 30 home runs and 30 stolen bases. And... Um, He's not really going to ever be a guy who is waiting for his pitch. That'd be really weird. Yeah, um, that's not Boba yet. <laughs> and if somehow he does start doing that, well, then his MVP. OBP is going to go up 100 points. Yeah, this is a guy who, like, if, if I was putting money on, like, longer shot MVP winners this year, I'd probably put money on Bo. I just feel like he's, if he's able to capture what he was doing the last couple months of last year, I mean, he hit 400. I'm not expecting him to do that over a full season. But if he's able to have that similar mentality and approach, he's a guy who could win MVP this year. Just saying. I said that last year, and I looked like an idiot until the final year yeah. or final month. I think uh, he ended up month, getting month MVP votes too at the end of the year. He like, did. You know, yes, he did. Four and a half um, F four still, which most of it was in the last six weeks. But we take if, it. We take If those. we are going to poo-poo some things, uh, yes, he's not really that great at taking walks. And yes, the strikeouts are not ideal um he's not exactly the best defensive shortstop i'm being very nice about that <laughs> he's had some struggles yeah uh we've all seen it but the more that this this young man plays the more that he'll ease into that mm -hmm. i think mm -hmm. it's a lot of responsibilities remember tony fernandez well, I, uh, the I great Tony really, Fernandez but... had an alarming number of errors his first three or four seasons yep. as a shortstop before he settled into being a, a, di uh, a dynamic defensive player. Now is the time so, for Bo to do that. Yeah, he, we're about there. Uh, I think this is a great season for Bo to say, you know, last year was a bit of a dip. Uh, I, I've got more to show. And, uh, you know... There's also other stuff came up last year, didn't it? Like his brother, there were some tweets uh, and I don't shit. Know. I'm not there... gonna say that impacted him at all. Uh, well, maybe it did, maybe it didn't. Stuff. I don't know. But like Dante wasn't around the team either as much. No. Who knows? There could have been lots of other factors we're not thinking of that that may have impacted him. But 
I think we'll see something in between 2022 and 2021. Uh, I think he'll steal more bases than he did in 2021, which was 25. I think I think he goes 30-30. We'll see, though. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure on that, but uh, let's talk about Kirky. It's crazy. Uh, MLB just released a couple of new stats. One of his catcher blocking runs saved, and Kirky and Jana were both in the top 10. So we know the Blue Jays really have probably two of the top 10 offensive catchers in baseball, but also now two of the top 10 defensive catchers by that metric. So far, they're going to release a couple other stats, I believe, this spring too before the season gets underway, but that's a cool thing to know. Uh, it was a big uh, up year for Kirk. I mean, in 2021, he only appeared in 60 games and was worth 0.7 F4. And 2022, he took a massive step forward. Obviously, he started the All-Star game, deservedly so. I believe he won the Silver Slugger as well. He hit 285, Patrick, with a 372 on base and a 415 slug. Over 139 games, he hit 14 homers. So the power the power wasn't really as high as what we thought it would be in a full season. But the fact that he does spray the ball over the field as well, too. He actually has more of his base hits um, to opposite field than he does to, to the left field as a pull, as a right-handed hitter. And he was worth 3.8 F4 because his defense also took a huge uh, step forward. He actually finished in the 94th percentile for framing among catchers. So... He steals a lot of strikes for his pitchers, especially low in the zone. Offensively, he's in the 98th percentile as uh, for striking out. He actually does walk more than he strikes out. Very few major leaguers do that. He's in uh, the 92nd percentile for expected batting average, which means that when he puts the ball in play, he is hitting the ball to spots where you would expect hits to, to wind up and has a 94th percentile whiff rate. So he does not swing and miss very often. The dude has an eye. He hits wherever he goes. We saw that when he came up in 2020 as a rookie. As like a, was he a 19-year-old at the time? This dude can just hit, and now he's turning it into being an all-around um, all player. And he led the team in infield singles, even though he has third percentile sprint speed. So we, you know, that's how you know that he hits the ball in the right spots. This dude just he gets it done. I love Kirky. Yeah, same. Uh, I think we have the best catching tandem in Major League Baseball. I'm sure that this year, Baltimore is going to make their own case with uh, Adley Rushman. Yeah, he's insane. He is, he's very good. He was uh, number could, one on that framing run stat, by the way, by quite a bit. That's right, yes, he was. And uh, his, uh, his fellow catcher, whose name evades me right at this moment, was uh, 15th. They yeah, were first and 15th, and Kirk... And uh, Jansen were fourth and ninth. That's correct. Or six and nine. Six sorry. and nine, I think. Yeah. So two so, tough pins. Two great tandems. Um, I see uh, our tandem as ha having much more upside when it comes to offense. Um, Kirk, of course. Uh, what's great about him is that you've mentioned it before. It's like when he hits the ball, it's like. He, he has the ability of it's like seeing eye, like it knows he don't where to miss. go. <laughs> he knows he knows where to hit the ball, um, and I love the fact that he had so many infield singles because it's kind of counterintuitive, you know, given the sprint speed. Of, he's in the third percentile for sprint speed. Um, that doesn't matter though. Uh, he clocked a lot of doubles uh, over what will actually be uh, over the wall this year won't it 
I mean, with the wall on the left, the left it, field wall. It's hard to in? say. I mean, we don't really know fully. Yeah, yet fair enough. Because of we we haven't seen it, but I don't know. What I'm saying is, he's got power, and uh, even though it's not as high as I thought it was when I saw the numbers, I was kind of surprised. I thought he had more home runs, but he didn't. But he has a shitload of singles, and yep. that's the thing is, he keeps he keeps the lineup moving. He can take uh, he could take walks. His his walk rate is higher than his K rate. Uh, you'll love to see that. Love it. Uh, I just think he's one of the best catchers in the league. Uh, he, like you said, silver slugger, all-star. I mean, there's only one other catcher who can make the same claim that he has, right? In the NL. Cause they only give up one yes. silver slugger for catcher. One so, per league. Yep. I don't know. Uh, there's not much else to say about Kirk, except he's a great part of the lineup. Seeing this makes me not seeing his numbers though, and realizing he doesn't have as much power as I thought. I'd be okay with him not batting cleanup. I think that's why I had him like second in one of my my lineups. Yeah, I think he slots in better at like six. Yeah, I think I'd like him down there too. Just and then Varsho at five, and then Chappie at four. Just don't put Varsho behind him because he'll pass him on the base paths. I didn't say it. You did. <laughs> um, tell me about Matt Chapman, Patrick. Oh, I First four years freaking, of Freaking love Matt Chapman. What can we say about Matt Chapman? We've already said before. He's a beautiful this guy. Man. He's got arms like tree trunks. They're, he's just, he's so strong. Yeah. Uh, it's just crazy. Uh, the power that he has. He's uh, one of the hardest hitters in baseball. Um, you can go look at, uh, exit velocities, uh, hard hit percentages, barrel percentages. Uh, he's great. He's a tough out. He does not, uh, you know, he does not shy away from, from drawing walks. He he's very good either. at that. What's that? He doesn't chase. No, he doesn't, but he does strike out a lot, but that's what you do when you're a third baseman power hitter. Um, he hit the exact same amount of home runs two years in a row, 27. Yeah. Love that. Perfect. Um, he does have the ability to steal bases, although he won't really. Um, but he can. Um, I, I don't know. He's exactly what I would want in a third baseman because he's a lethal threat at the plate. I think he slots in great as a cleanup hitter. The batting average actually came up. 19 points from mm -hmm. 210 to 229 that's a little bit closer to what we would hope from him i personally would like to see it a little bit higher like okay nerd somewhere between <laughs> 240 250 would be ideal um and that would probably get him close to 30 home runs and um he just hits monster bombs he's just a great fucking hitter i love watching him uh, play defensively too he's defensively one of the best uh, in baseball although uh, his outs above average I don't think were as high as what we thought they would be um, he's the kind of guy I'd love to have on the team in the long term but really I don't know what else we could say because yeah this is his last year and I don't know how he slots onto this team in the future well, we also talked pay. about it uh, a few episodes ago that with Machado signing that big mega deal with the Padres, Chappie's the best third baseman available next winter if he does go to free agency. So he's gonna have he's gonna have some bidders lining up for him, I think, Patrick. Yeah, this is my concern, uh, is that we 
are going to be outbid, and then that's a huge step back for the team. I don't know how you replace that. I mean, yeah. Orelvis Martinez hoping, is kind of an all or nothing. And I, don't I think Barger is maybe a guy who could yeah. be the next next third baseman for the Blue Jays. He does play shortstop third base and a little bit outfield. So it'll really that's, be curious to watch his development this year. I think that's kind of what they're hoping for, though, is that he could be the next guy. That's a lot. Though. A lot to put on a guy, yeah. To put on what will we thought the same about Jordan Groshans as well. Yeah. He got traded, so he did. I don't think Addison Berger gets traded though. It's hard to say. Yeah, the Blue Jays have the Blue Jays are kind of in a place where unless they have injuries, they don't really need to deal a lot of prospects this year. Unless there's really somebody that they want at the deadline, for example, because they kind of do have that. They have that deep lineup now, right? We don't have like we've talked about many times. We don't have the JBJs and the Zimzams on the bench anymore. It's a bench where guys are actually competing for one spot and not a bench that's made up of a ragtag team of nobodies. So, um, yeah, if Matt Chapman does the exact same thing he did last year, he's had 4.1 F4 the last two years, I'll take 4 F4 again this year. I don't care. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's honestly the, the a fair expectation Agreed. for F4. And um, probably slots in at cleanup or five. Ooh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, well, where else is he gonna hit? Yeah, it's hard to say. He, he's a he's an interesting guy. Yeah, I mean, with with his power, a cleanup could be an option. It, really it, it all comes before. down to can he can he hit for average better yeah. than what he has been? Because you don't want a guy hitting two twenty as your cleanup. You you want someone. I'd rather have some. I'd rather have Kirk. Yeah, Kirk. Even or though Bo I just Bichette. said I don't want him at cleanup or yeah. Bobuchetta cleanup, than I would. Uh, a 220 Matt Chapman, even if he is hitting bombs, just because you, it's not responsible. Yeah, and I mean, looking at his splits, he does hit 245 against lefties and 225 against righties. He gets most of his power off of right-handers, though. He gets more on bats against them, obviously, because there's more head yeah. pitchers. But yep, I could see him hitting a little bit higher up in the lineup against lefties and maybe a little bit lower down against right-handers. Do you think he still plays 155 games? Yes. If or if he's healthy, he plays at least that many, if not more. So you don't think they fuck around and I think, as, when there's lefties? No, I think Matt Chapman's yeah. an everyday player. Yes. Because of his defensive value and because he hits 27 home runs a year. Like he's a guy um who could who could in theory, I mean, he's hit 36 at one point in his career. He's never driven in more than 91 in a season. But he's a guy who's going to give you that like 75-ish to 80 RBIs every year. And I think with his defensive value and the fact that he does take walks and doesn't doesn't uh, chase a ton, um, it's valuable to have him in the lineup every day. So he'll be there regardless. Yep. Um, a guy, oh, segue, a guy who won't be in the lineup every day, at least as a starter, Santiago Espinal, Patrick. Uh, made the all-star team last year as a last-minute replacement for Jose Altuve, but uh, did have a great first half uh, for the Jays. Did cool off a little bit in the second half, but as a friend of the show, Keegan Matheson, wrote in an article that released like literally about an hour ago before, right before we started recording, um, Espinal's a guy who should be in the lineup against lefties every day. Career splits, Patrick, for Espinal. Hits 322 against lefties with an 802 OPS against righties. A little bit worse, 260 with a 673 OPS. And just to give you a comparison on what he did last year to those numbers, so eight, uh, he had a 322 against lefties and a 260 batting average against righties. 
over his career. Last year, it was 301 against lefties, right in line, and 256 against righties, just a little bit lower. So it's not like he's had like a one good year in his career against lefties. It's been a consistent thing for him. Uh, and definitely, as Keegan notes, should be in there every day, whether he's playing second base or I don't want to say be DHing, but he's got to be in there for sure um, against those left-handed, ba- left-handed pitchers because he's going to break against them. Tell me about your guy. I know you like this guy a lot, so I'll let you take this one. Yep. I think he's defensively the best player on the team, and that's Ooh. demonstrated by the – No, Matt it's demonstrated Chapman's by the, the stats. Last Matt year, Chapman's he was the best day. defensive player on the team. Wat Wapman. Uh, 96, 96 percentile for outs above average. Uh, that is – that defeats uh, Matt Chapman by a significant portion. Yeah. Uh, the difference Let's cherry is... pick stats here. It's fine. Let's be fair to Santiago Espinal, the first half Different of the positions, season, but okay, sure. Absolutely was an all-star. Okay, sure, yeah. He was hitting, uh, he was flirting with 300. He was in the 290s. It was a short relationship. It was good, but it was, <laughs> it was good. good while it lasted. It was good while it lasted. <laughs> Defensively, he's incredibly strong. He is just a, a vacuum. He just, he he will get you out. That's just what he does. Yeah. Um, what concerns me is that he does not have power and the second half of the season last year, he couldn't hit for average either. Uh, so we saw a decline in his slug, decline in his OBP and decline in his average between the last two seasons. That being said, um, defensive dynamo. Yeah. Uh, I just, I, I think I agree with the idea that he has to be in the lineup every day when it comes to lefties mm-hmm. when it comes to righties i think you have the roster flexibility now where you don't have to force the issue yes um so let them let them smash the lefties i as, mean as I the kids are saying let them cook let the man cook <laughs> but i do think he will get starts against righties I, I i don't think yeah. he will ride the pine that much he did play 135 games last year I think he plays less this year, but he is just as important to this team as he was last year. Agreed. Just in a different in a different way. Yeah. And defensively, he's a wizard. Yeah, he's kind of the safety net, right? I mean, yep, if, absolutely. If Bo or Chapman has to miss any time, Espinal's a guy you plug in at either one of those two positions. Doesn't have yeah. the arm strength of of a Chapman at third base, but I mean, yep. The fact that he's, he's going to get to a lot of balls, he'll still make some great plays. He'll he'll keep he won't lose you any games over there. Is what I'm trying to get at. We'll talk about uh, Biggio and Merrifield next week. But obviously, we know those three guys are going to do a lot of sharing of second base, and then of course we'll talk about Biggio and Merrifield in the outfield. But uh, we saw early last season, Patrick, before Biggio got hurt, um, a lot of times one of them would start a game and then when the other team switched pitchers and brought in say a lefty against Biggio, they would flip flop to Espinal, even if it was like the fifth inning. I think we'll see that a lot more going forward too, especially in close ball games that if the Blue Jays are say down by run with a guy on base and Espinal comes up against the righty, they might go to Biggio or in the vice versa situation with a lefty up and Biggio in the box, they might go to Espinal just because it'll make sense matchup wise. And both of them, both both players are, are good defenders at second base. Espinal is obviously better, but uh, definitely, like you said, that flexibility in the lineup 
is going to I think we'll see a lot more mid-game substitutions between the three guys at second base this year so that said I, look I, I like Kevin Biggio a lot mm-hmm. if he continues to struggle as much as he has the last couple seasons at the plate yeah. I don't know that he is an automatic start Oh, I'm like, not I saying don't... he's an automatic start. I'm just no, saying, I'm saying that, that's what I'm a saying is like I don't know that you don't go to Santiago Espinal more, even if it is a righty. I would even because... say Merrifield over Espinal, but well, assuming that Merrifield's not playing in the outfield because yes. we have yet yes. to perfect Fair. cloning technology. Yeah. So <laughs> yet we haven't quite done it yet. Not but... yet. I would say I'm just <laughs> saying I think Kevin Biggio, if he struggles as much as he has the last couple of years, I think at some point you got to pull the plug. Give the guy a fresh start somewhere else. Yeah, and I mean, and, he's yeah. having a decent spring. Hit a home run today, so yes, he did. We'll see how that progresses. I think uh, we obviously know that Biggio, Espinal, and Merrifield are on the roster. Like they're not going anywhere before the season starts, unless there is a trade that happens. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're locks. Yeah. They're locks. Sure. So I mean, it's it's just a matter of like how they're going to construct the lineup. And I think as spring goes along, as more of the minor league players get option to minor league camp or assigned, I guess, to minor league camp and the, the kind of glutton, the glut of players around camp shrinks. The regulars have already played. They, I think they all played like six innings today for the most part. Uh, they're going to start playing full games as the spring goes along. So we'll see less and less guys that aren't going to be on this roster at opening day playing. So we'll really start seeing more of the lineup configurations as John Schneider gets games where he starts all nine of his regulars kind of thing, you know? Yep. So let's we'll talk about your idea. man, though. Yeah, let's talk about Danny Jansen, Danny Bonds. Um, so Danny Jansen, obviously we, we know the last two years he's he's only played 142 games combined. He's played 70 and 72 games each of the last two years. Um, the big differences for Danny... 2021, Patrick, he was worth 1.4 F4. This past year, in only two more games, was worth, was worth 2.6. Batting average was up. On base was up. He hit 260 this past season at a 339 on base percentage and a 516 slug. Uh, OPS was almost at 900. It was 850, basically, I guess. We'll, we'll say it was 850. Yeah, 855. So not almost 900. My math is bad. Uh, but he walked more. He went up from 8.3 to 10.1. Great walk numbers. And he dropped his K rate from 21.5 down to 17.7. So he was a lot more selective. And when he was swinging, he was mashing. Hit 15 home runs this past year in only 72 games. Let's say he plays 120 games this year, which is very realistic. If he can stay healthy, he probably gets into more games than that because him and Kirky are going to share the catching duties as well as maybe games of time at DH. He's a guy who could get 450 plate appearances this year. He could hit 20, 25 home runs if he has the same um, kind of approach and progression of numbers that he did last year. Uh, runs the bases really well for a catcher. We don't have detailed savant metrics for Danny because he just hasn't had enough playing time the past couple of years. But we know he's a great at blocking the ball as a catcher. We had that stat that came out that had him ninth ranked. We know he does a great job of calling games. And if he can be anywhere close to the offensive guy he was last year, you already mentioned it, the Blue Jays are probably, they probably have the best offensive and defensive catcher duo in all of baseball. Not necessarily the best one individually, but as a team, they don't really have a, there's no drop off from catcher one to catcher two. It's a one A, one B thing. 
Yeah, and they're both going to be in the lineup pretty regularly. Yep. I would imagine whenever Kirk is not catching, he will be DHing unless he absolutely needs a day off. I wouldn't. Yeah, that's one thing where I think we, we did see Kirk kind of slow down as the year went along. Probably a bit of fatigue. So I don't know if we'll see as, as many DH games as we think we will. I'll put it that way. Well, there's more roster flexibility, so you're probably right. Danny Jansen will definitely play more than 72 games. Uh, in both of the last two seasons, he has been injured for yeah, significant amounts of time. He's had some hammy issues. Which has impacted his performance at the plate as well. Yeah. Uh, not so much, though, in 2022. I'm going to be honest with you. I think 2022 is Danny Jansen's, like, that's what you can expect from him. God, I hope so. Um, it's, I mean, it's pretty consistent with his development. He has yeah. power. I don't know if his slugging percentage is going to be the exact same. <laughs> if he slugs 516, but... I will love that. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, defensively, he is great. Uh, offensively, he was more than serviceable last year. I think he was almost borderline, have to be in the lineup. He's just a smart baseball player. He's learned his role, and now that he's kind of accepted the fact that he's a pull hitter. Oh yeah, like man, he, he adopted hit a lot the, of jacks. He the Marcus, a lot of jacks. Uh, the Marcus Semyon approach, where he just hits everything to left field and hits it hard. Fuck it, yeah, it worked. Why not? We don't, we don't need him to to go oppo taco. Yep. He's not a hunter Kirk. He doesn't hit the ball to all fields. He... Let the man pull it over the fence. Who yep. gives a shit? He's gonna it's... rake. <laughs> I, I do think, I, I realistically, I think Danny Jansen probably hits between 240 and 260. Happy I don't that. know that he could top last year, but if he gets anywhere close, uh, I think, again, we'll still have this, you know, as good a tandem. And if he can play more games, he might be a threat to Kirk for the Silver Slugger. <laughs> Imagine that if you have the guys like finish one and two in that. That'd be, awesome. That'd be crazy. <laughs> That's a good tandem right there. Oh man, yeah, it's uh, it's a good time to be a Danny Jansen fan. Hopefully, he stays healthy this year and can produce like he did last season. Let's uh, talk about the X yes. factor this in the guy, infield. Ooh. This is really hard to talk about because yeah, what do you got I don't here? know what to, I don't know what to expect. I just know that it, I have high hopes, but the. I'm I'm just I'm real I'm real confused, Justin. Yeah. I, I don't know what to say. Uh Brandon Belt is projected to be the backup first baseman, but also will DH on the regular mm -hmm. uh mm -hmm. where needed. I mean he is a lefty, is he not? He, he is a lefty. So he's going to get into the lineup. Um huge drop off in both yeah. number of games played and home runs and batting average and OBP and slug. Uh, and coming off of offseason. Uh, pretty consistent. Offseason knee surgery too. So, I mean, he's he hasn't played in a game yet. He's ramping up just like Kirk is. Kirk was a late arrival by camp, of course. I'm, I'm still saying we'll see all three of Kirk, Belt, and then Vladdy back in games next week. I yep. think that's the... You give Belty two weeks to ramp up for the season, basically, once he gets back in the lineup. What's interesting about the position that, that the Jays are in yeah. with Brandon Belt is that if he if he does anything at all, it's gravy. <laughs> yeah. And you win more games. Yep. If he does nothing, well, last year they had players who did nothing. 
and they still won 92 games. Yeah, and I feel like even if... I think Brandon Belt's nothing is still going to be more meaningful than Bradley Zimmer's nothing, you know? For sure, yeah. But um, I'll tell you what I love about Brandon Belt. He's a he's a dynamic first baseman who's le- a left-handed hitter who can hit jacks. That's yep. what I like. If he comes into camp uh, and, and comes into the season anywhere close to being as strong as he was in 2021, we've got ourselves a two to four F four player who is going to hit his bombs. Uh, he's going to let him rip right off that fence, I think, in left field, uh, either over or through. Um, <sighs> Take your pick. Yeah. But I'm excited to have him on the team because he's a guy I've always enjoyed watching play. He hit in, you know, he had to hit in San Francisco because that's where he played. Hit uh, a few balls into old McCovey Cove out there. Yeah, not as many as you think, but yes, that's true. Um, But definitely he had to hit in that park, and that's not really – I would not say that's a hitter-friendly park. Sure isn't. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how he does in the American League East. My hope is that we see a performance three quarters as good as 2021. And if we get that and we get, you know, two to four F war from him. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll fucking take that. And it, he's also in a way he's kind of insurance because last year we didn't really have a backup first baseman. Um, well, I, I mean, I know that Kevin Biggio can play first, but he, Kevin can't hit, hit very well. Um, <laughs> he struggled last year. Yeah. Um, and Brandon Belt, I, I think will get us minimum probably 240 if he's as healthy as, as he says he is. But the bar is on the fucking floor for backup, for like, for backup players. Cause like last year, Bradley Zimmer's batting average was lower than my weight. I wanted to make that joke, but (laughs) I think I weigh a little bit more than you. So yeah, I don't think it, it's not good. (laughs) Um, yeah. Zimmer didn't even hit Zimmer. Wasn't even the Mendoza. Zimmer was like half that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah um and brandon belt's a multiple world series champion so yeah he knows what it takes you, to win you bring in another guy like like george springer uh who has had success in the playoffs and whether or not he's 2021 or 2020 or 2019 offensively brandon belt he's going to still be a great mentor for the guys that are in this clubhouse because he has been there, done that. He's a professional. He's going to be 35 years old in about a month and a half here. Um, he's born on 420. <laughs> nice. Um, but uh, like he's a guy who is going to just be, I think, one of the, the leaders on this team this year. Because he's been to the dance many times. He's won it. And he knows what it takes. So, great Or pickup. if he completely craps out, we don't lose very much. No, it's nine point three million for one year. There's no options. It's just, it's one of those complete flyer contracts, right? Where you just, you hope that you're gonna get something, and if you don't, 
You didn't expect him to play 140 games for you, so it doesn't really matter too much. It's water on the duck's back, as they say. Yep. I think that's it for that's now. Really I think we've now. got a lot of players to highlight for, for our next episode. Yep. All the outfielders, and then we'll talk about the 13th man. I think there's really, realistically, three players to talk about there. Any parting thoughts for the, for the I guess what you could say is like the meat of the of the order yeah i mean a lot of of the guys that we did talk about today uh are going to hit front and center the the main guy that we didn't talk about today was george springer um obviously the leadoff hitter but yeah some some big boppers here some guys who have had mvp numbers in the past and vlad guerrero jr and brandon belts had a few really good seasons as well with san francisco so some guys who are really interesting and i mean not a single guy that we talked about today is going to be a primary bench player. These guys are all going to get starts. They're all going to play a ton. There's really no weak points here in this lineup now. So it's it's very, very solid defensively and offensively. And coming up on our next episode, which we'll record sometime on Sunday most likely, we'll chat a bit about Team Canada's first WBC game and we'll get into the outfielders and the utility guys on the roster. And that'll wrap up kind of our preview of the lineups before we start making some spicy predictions i know you're excited for that one patrick yes because i had success once <laughs> hey man you're like overall you're probably still hitting like 300 as a as a predictor so you're a hall you got hall of fame numbers so that's true that's true <laughs> we, but we, I... we we uh we provide commentary on a sport where 30 percent is is all time <laughs> that's true i just i'll always hold on to my big victory over uh over henderson yeah friend uh, of the show well, chris henderson <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Steven Matz. yeah yeah but that'll be it for us today uh if you like what we do give us a follow on twitter at bfmd podcast you can find our website bfmdpodcast.com which features links to all of our episodes you of course can listen to them wherever you get your podcasts For Patrick out in Halifax, I'm Justin here in Saskatoon, and we will see you next time.